Hi, my name is Patty Catter, and you are going to be listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. So I thought it's probably a great idea to do a little bit of, of storytelling about myself from the time I was a child until today, because this way you're going to be able to gain some perspective on who I am, what I'm about, how I was raised. You'll be able to relate to the podcasts that are going to be airing in the the weeks and months and years to come. So my name is Patty, and I was born in Flint, Michigan. I had amazing grandparents and parents, so I'm going to start with them. My grandparents on my dad's side, they lived in Flint, and um, I would go to their house a lot, especially on the weekends when I wasn't in school, and I would help my grandma with a garden that she had. They lived on five acres in the city of Flint, which if you can imagine that, Flint was a heavily populated area. So to have five acres was a pretty big deal because the um, the property was just huge. It was vast. And my grandma had even a tractor. So in the city of Flint, having a tractor, that was really cool. I could ride on the tractor. I would ride on um, – we would tie the wagon on the back of the lawnmower while my grandma mowed the lawn, and I'd help her in the garden. And it was just a fun time over there. My grandpa, he worked in a factory. He was a good old boy, and he – Loved playing the lotto. He loved fishing, as did my grandma. My grandma was a Rosie the Riveter, and she was very frugal. One of my favorite stories from my grandma was she told me about during the Great Depression, there was a flood. They also had a creek bank next to their house. So there was a flood, and she said when she was a young girl, they told everybody they lost all of their chickens in the flood while they she didn't tell them they only had two chickens. So that was pretty funny to me. And that was a story that stuck out in my head about my grandma. (laughs) Um, They were both very hard workers, very giving. Um, My grandma owned several properties in Flint and was a landlord. And there were many times where her clients or her um, renters or tenants, they couldn't pay rent and she would just let it slide So that just kind of tells you a little bit about her. And my grandpa, of course, was very supportive of her. My grandparents on my mom's side were equally as amazing. My grandpa was a retired police officer. He retired out of Flint, Michigan, um, the year I was born, actually. And my grandma retired from AC Spark Plugs. When I was in elementary school, I was heavily involved with the Native American group there from the time I was in preschool until around third grade. I participated in a lot of powwows, and um, we would make recipes, like Native American recipes. I remember making Indian fry bread. I still make that sometimes. It's really good. But the Native American group was for kids who had at least a quarter Native American blood and So I was told that I was Cherokee, and we actually believed that for a long time. Even my grandpa had a wolf head from the reservation where he lived for a short time. But Ancestry.com is not picking up the Cherokee, so I don't know. Um, Moving on, I think that my first humanitarian-type work was around third grade when I helped raise money to build a church for a pastor 
who lived in Kentucky. And I believe that he might be listening to the show. His name is Eddie Marsh. I actually went down and met him and his family, and we had our our whole church uh, van loaded up, and we went down there and spent a few days with them, and it was a great time. Um, fast forward to middle school and junior high school. I was very active in theater. I participated in the Flint Youth Theater for a couple years in a a row in their summer camp. I was raised in a Christian school mostly, and um, I was in choir. I played the flute and the piano. It wasn't until around the time I was in about ninth grade where I admitted to my mom that I could not read one note of music after all those years of class. I was dyslexic, and I didn't know until I was in ninth grade. So all those years of music class, I was actually playing by ear. And I thought my mom was going to maybe be upset because she might have thought that she was wasting that money. But it turns out she was really impressed because I guess my grandpa, which was her dad, could play the piano by ear. And I guess it's a pretty cool, fun thing. And so she wasn't upset, so I was happy about that. Um, I wrote for the Flint Journal in high school. I went from a Christian school, so being in Christian school for several years, to my 10th grade year going to a public school. And I commuted to the Flint Journal once a week to write for them. And my first big article that I really remember writing was about our lunch menu. It was disgusting, (laughs) to say the least. So our lunch menu was not very healthy. It was a lot of processed foods back in the 90s. um, I remember like a cheeseburger was just, it would disintegrate in your mouth. It was just not good. So I wrote this huge article about the cafeteria food. The next day after it released, my principal called me down to the office where I thought that I was going to probably get in trouble somehow. I didn't know how. I didn't know how I would get in trouble, but I thought for sure I was going to get in trouble. But the principal actually called me down and they announced that they were going to change the menu at our school and that because of my article, that school changed the way that they were going to be feeding kids at lunchtime and they were switching up the menu And then he asked me to write another article about how they changed to healthier foods. So that was really interesting. It was during that time that I realized that writing could have a really big impact in a positive way to help other people. And so that's when I really um, started to love writing even more than I did when I was a kid. Um, I do remember when I was really little, I would write tons of stories (laughs) from the time I was in kindergarten, I think. And even before I could write the alphabet, I used to ask my grandma at her house if I could EO. I don't know why I called it that, but she would give me a pen and I would say EO, EO, EO. And I would sit there and I'd like doodle basically before I could even write. So I loved it, but it wasn't until that article came out that I realized that it was even more special to me because I could make a change in a good way for people by my writing. So I continued in the choir. I continued playing the piano, um, but I started to write more. And I really enjoyed writing. Now, 
I'm going to kind of skip over some parts because I don't really like talking about my family members publicly a whole lot. Uh, I really want to respect my my children's privacy, although I will say that my youngest daughter, she is pursuing acting, and and my oldest daughter, she lives in uh, around the L.A. area and is very involved. Her husband also involved with social media, and her husband works at BuzzFeed and does all this really cool stuff. And my son, he's just awesome, too, and they're all like, you can talk about us all you want, but... Um, I shelter them a little bit because I have had a bad instance with cyberbullying uh, about a year ago where uh, a couple bad eggs <laughs> or rotten apples, I don't know, took it upon themselves to make up stories about uh, myself and my family. And um, so I choose where they can pick on me all they want, but I'm not going to give them ammunition for my family. That's just... Um, not a good thing. And if you're listening out there, I am a big advocate against cyberbullying. And there are things that you can do to protect yourself and your loved ones from that. For me, I took a tiny step back from being public on my posts, but then I realized that I know my heart. My friends know my heart. Um, I had a really great mentor tell me, your integrity speaks for itself. You might have a couple like rotten apples um, try to ruin that for you, but you know your heart basically. So I know when I post on social media, I'm doing it to help other people. I know that there are people out there who don't have a voice or they don't have the words to say when they're struggling. And I want to help make the world a better place. And I to do that, sometimes we need to share rare, our raw stories. And if we don't, people are not going to relate or they're not going to know how to help other people if we don't put the stories out there. So that's kind of where I decided that I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing and what I'm passionate about. And um, I've been helping people all my life, and I'm not going to stop now because of um, some people who might have too much time on their hands to try to hurt somebody instead of trying to help them. So I'm pushing forward. Um, like I said, in third grade, I helped with the raising money for this church, um, throughout my whole junior high and high school years. I did lots and lots of fundraising for many different causes, like I said, I did go to a Christian school, so our teachers didn't get paid very much. We would sell candy bars to help pay for our teachers to teach us in class. Like we, everybody at that school was just um, taught how to give and how to best utilize our resources to help other people. So I think that that did come into play in my life. Also, my grandparents were very giving. Like I mentioned, my grandparents on my dad's side. And even my on my mom's side, my grandpa, um, he being a police officer, he helped countless people. My parents were also amazing. My dad, he worked with the sheriff's department on the mounted unit um, as a volunteer. And he loved it. And he he retired from a shop in Michigan. My mom was mostly a homemaker. A couple times a year, she did help at Bronner's. It's the biggest Christmas store in the world. And 
she would dress up in this little outfit that they had. It was so cute. And we would be able to go to Bronner's for Christmas parties. It was amazing. Uh, my parents both made sure that if myself or my siblings wanted or needed anything, they would really try to make it happen. So went to Christian school, played some instruments, did the theater. I also played volleyball in junior high school. Um, and we were also, we were taught heavily how <clears throat> to give back to the community. So my my dad also, he did a couple missionary trips to Honduras. I remember my dad brought a dress back and a purse from Honduras for me. I also remember that he brought back a stuffed possum for whatever reason, and we still have that floating around in the family someplace. Anyways, fast forward back to my immediate family that I don't talk a whole lot about, but I do need to mention. Um, my So my husband, um, I met him when he was just getting out of the Marines. He had a 10-year break in service. He was a police officer in Michigan. He actually won Police Officer of the Year Award for our county right before he resigned to go back into the military. I was a police reservist in Saginaw, Michigan um, with the Saginaw City Police Department, which was the number one most violent city per capita in the nation at the time. And I loved it, by the way. I loved helping people with um, everything that I did with the Sheriff's Department. It was just amazing. And then I was also a writer because I, I never did stop writing. I had managed multiple websites. And at um, around the time that I was a reservist, I was also a chief and editor of a teen newspaper in Michigan and really liked working with the teenagers there to help them become better writers. Post 9-11 happened and, or I should say 9-11 happened. And my husband resigned from the police department and joined the Army in 2006. So there had been a war going on for some time, as you all know, after 9-11. And we had two nephews in the military. And so that's one of the reasons that Ken decided to join the military again for patriotic reasons. But our military was also hurting for more people to enlist. So he did that. We ended up selling our house in Michigan, which was a beautiful house. It was a 5,000 square foot house on 30 acres. Our driveway was a quarter of a mile long. It was gorgeous. And do I miss it sometimes a little bit? But that weather up there is so cold. <laughs> so um, we ended up selling the house. We moved to Fort Bragg for a year and then bought a house off base in Rayford, Michigan, next door to my parents who had bought a house in North Carolina to be by us. And Ken deployed in 2006. He was injured in Iraq in 2007, medically retired in 2010. We moved back to Michigan and I ran a military surplus store for a short time. In 2014, we moved to Florida um, during the transitional times, um, I had started Christian Military Wives, a nonprofit, when Ken was deployed. That is now part of Christian Military Fellowship. It's a na national nonprofit. I volunteered for Voice of Warriors. I acted as their 
uh, president and CEO for the time that we lived in Michigan. And then when we moved to Florida, I was very um, happy to know that the Elizabeth Dole Foundation wanted me as one of their fellows. The Elizabeth Dole Foundation focuses on the health and wellness of military caregivers and to educate people about what military caregivers do. And I will say back when Ken was still in the military, um, he had went through almost three years of occupational and cognitive therapy and several other therapies. While he was doing that, I was one of the caregivers that Wounded Warrior Project had chosen to go to D.C. to petition Congress to implement what is now called the caregiver stipend. So I am proud to say that I had something to do with national history. I was one of the few caregivers who um, helped petition that bill, which is now a nationwide program for the VA across the nation. So that's kind of a little bit about um, my military caregiver stuff without getting in too deep. And I have, like I said, I've been podcasting for a long time. I started podcasting back in 2006 <laughs> on a network called Talk, Sh Talk Shoe Radio. Try saying that 10 times. And that was with Christian Military Wives. And then I podcasted for Voice of Warriors on Blog Talk Radio platform. Last year, I think it was last May, I started podcasting with Adam Bird on Heroes Media Group Network. And I do a show with him called The Decision Hour. Yes, I'm continuing to put out podcasts for The Decision Hour. I'm not going to stop that. And yes, I'm still with Heroes Media Group Network, and I'm really excited about that. We have done a lot of really neat things, and in 2020, we have a lot of other great things planned. I also have some great things planned for my business, writing, um, podcasting, helping others create infomercials for their businesses or their books or whatever it is that they want to promote. I have different sponsorship packages. If you're interested in sponsoring my show, um, you can go to pattycatter.com for more information. You can go to Heroes Media Group to catch me on the Decision Hour. And Wake Up With Patty will be there as well. Uh, we have a private group for my podcast, Wake Up With Patty Catter. And Adam Bird actually named my show Wake Up With Patty Catter. <laughs> so um, anyways, thank you all. Uh, for listening to this. This is an unedited version. I'm not going to edit it. It's just information for you all to just know me a little bit better. I'm trying to be a little bit more vulnerable and open myself up so that you'll be able to better know me and better relate to my podcasts. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. Be sure to visit www.pattycatter.com for the latest podcasts, articles, and swag. Also, be sure to follow Patty on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Patty Catter. At Patty Catter.